akbar Allah akbar Allah akbar Allah akbar ashhadu an la ilaha Shahadu an la ilaha illallah Shahadu anna muhammadar rasulullah Shahadu anna muhammadar Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhina astafa amma ba'd Fa'audhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Inna allaha ya'muru bil'adli wal ihsan وَإِيتَاءِ ذِي الْقُرْبَى وَيَنْهَى عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغْيِ يَعِذُكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ Respected ulama kiram respected elders and brothers in Islam, I've recited before you an ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, an ayat perhaps that we all are quite familiar with. We heard this ayat of this Qur'an al-Majid in Surah Al-Nahl, in every khutbah, every Jumu'ah, we hear this ayah of the Qur'an in Majid. We hear it in the Eidain, in both the Eid khutbahs as well. And perhaps there is hardly anyone who doesn't know this Qur'an, this ayat of the Qur'an in Majid. But what is this ayat of the Qur'an in Majid? What is it saying? What is the lesson? What is the meaning? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding us in this ayat of the Qur'an in Majid. Generally, when, when we were children, then when we having our 40 wings in the khutbah, and then when you hear this ayat of the Qur'an in Majid, then you know now it's time for the khutbah to be over, and it's time to make salah now. So we just wait as children, we just wait for this ayat to come, knowing now that Juma Salah is about to commence, and now we can proceed. So in this ayat of the Qur'an in Majid, there was a person, a leader of a tribe, Sayyidina Akhtam as-Sayfi, who became radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, 
He heard of Nabi Karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was a leader of one of the Arab tribes, and he became interested hearing about the success of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the spreading of his mission, the fact that Islam was catching on in the Arabian Peninsula, and he felt that it's important for him to investigate. Who the Prophet ﷺ is? He didn't even know who the Prophet ﷺ is. He just heard that a person has come claiming to be a Rasul of Allah. So he decided that he himself will go and investigate and see and meet the Prophet ﷺ. Nonetheless, he took mashwara of his the elders of his tribe, and they felt that it's not appropriate for him as the leader to go for whatever reasons. It's not munasib and appropriate. Rather, he sent two senior emissaries to meet with the Prophet ﷺ, and this was the decision that was taken. So these two emissaries come to meet the Prophet ﷺ, and they were also instructed as to what to ask the Prophet ﷺ. So these were the just two questions: that man anta, who are you, wa ma anta, just two things only, nothing else, two very comprehensive things. The, people, the Arabs were not people of takalufat, unnecessary formalities. They were people who were simple, straightforward, bereft of extra formalities like the non-Muslims. So, nonetheless, they come to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they are welcomed in the presence of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they explain who they are and where they have come from, and how many many delegations used to be received by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam from the non-Muslims as well. And they asked the Prophet ﷺ that, "Man anta, wa ma anta? Who are you, and what you all about?" So the Prophet ﷺ look at his reply also, that I am Muhammad bin Abdullah. That's that's me. I am Muhammad bin Abdullah. Simple answer to a simple question: "Wa ma anta, and what are you all about?" I am the Rasul of Allah. That I am the Rasulullah. That's all. Then the Prophet ﷺ taught these two emissaries this ayat of the Quran in Majid. Till they had memorized this ayat of the Quran in Majid. Inna Allah yamuru bil adli wal ihsan, wa itaid al qurba, wa yanha an al fashshai wal munkar wal baghi. Once they had memorized it, and they left now to meet their leader, and when they arrived to, at their leader, and they explained exactly what had transpired. And they recited this ayat of the Quran in Majid to to this person, to the leader. When he heard these words of the Quran in Majid, and exactly what was contained therein, six commands of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, it had such an impact on his heart that he accepted the Deen of Islam on this ayat of the Quran in Majid. And so we can understand. And these were people who knew Arabic. These were people who knew the most eloquent of Arabic. They were people who, who were poets. They were people who understood literature. One of the uh, one of the the fame that they had was in this, in terms of their literature and understanding of the deep meaning of literature and linguistics. So we can understand the power of this of this ayat of the Quran in Majid. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu taala anhu. A very very famous Sahabi of Rasulullah Fakh sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We hear of many many Abdullahs, but there are a few Abdullahs among the Sahaba who are very famous. They are called the Abadila, and among these Abdullahs, 
One was Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. He is also called the faqih of this ummah. Faqihul ummah. He has such an understanding of the deen of Islam. Then one is Abdullah bin Abbas radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Who is known as the mufassir of this ummah. Then one is Abdullah bin Zubair radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. The nephew, the grandson of Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, who passed away, who was killed or assassinated in the haram of Makkah itself. And there is another Abdullah, Abdullah bin Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, the son of Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. He was a very ascetic person, never got involved in leadership etc. and just preferred to remain out of the limelight. And his father also instructed that after him, after Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that no position of leadership must be given to his son Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he commented that the most jami' ayah of the entire Qur'an, jami' ajma'u ayah, that means the most comprehensive ayah of the entire Qur'an Sharif is this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. This is the words of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sayyidina Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullahu ta'ala mentioned that this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, our entire deen is encapsulated in this ayah of the Qur'an Sharif. Deenul Islam can be brought down to this one ayah of the Qur'an in Majid. Now what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us? Before we go on to the translation of the ayah, there was a person by the name of Mughira. He was an arch enemy of the deen of Islam. And they used to spy on the Muslims etc. When he heard, he was a very educated person. When he heard this ayah of the Quran, he said there is, وَإِنَّ لَهُ الْحَلَاوَةٌ There is some sweetness in this. In this ayah of the Quran, there is a certain sweetness. There is a ray of light. وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ بَشَرٍ These are not the words of a human being. This is divine, even though he didn't accept Islam. But he had to admit that there was something divine about these words. And these were not the words of a human being. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, there are three things he orders us. And there are three things he prohibits us in this ayah of the Quran in Majid. We'll discuss each one as we go along. And if there's no time, inshallah, we will continue discussing this in future, inshallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands you to be just. To adopt justice in every aspect of our lives. Literally, adal, literally, what it means is to make something straight. How we make the sufuf in salah, we make them straight, shoulder to shoulder, feet all in a line. Similarly, to make something straight. But in this context, it means to bring about justice in our deen. In everything we do, there must be a sense of justice. And the greatest sense of justice that a human being can bring about is the recognition of Allah. Inna shirka azim. Indeed, shirk is the worst oppression against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Muslims, we bring about justice in our worship of Allah, in our recognition of Allah. If we look at the Christians, if we look at the Jews, then they disrespected Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They went completely off in the disrespect of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and dishonoring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
If we look at the Christians, they went on another extreme and another tangent where they didn't disrespect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they gave the Trinity, the understanding of Trinity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if we look at Tawheed, what we Muslims believe in, this in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is truly and this is purely justice itself. Now let's look at what prevents us from being just in all our actions, in every aspect of our lives, whether it's our social dealings, our business dealings, our marital life, whatever it may be, whether it's any kind of dealing or interaction with any human being, animal, etc. There's two things sometimes that blind us from being just. One is love and one is hatred for a people. And we can see the entire world today is filled with hatred. We look at the Muslim ummah throughout the world, whether it's the Muslims or even non-Muslims, the amount of injustice that is being perpetrated throughout the globe. Not only Muslims, sometimes we feel that only Muslims are the victims of oppression and injustice. No, but even non-Muslims many a times are the victims of injustice and oppression as well. Now let's look at some examples that we learn from the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ of injustice. For example, a person came to the Prophet ﷺ and he says, Ya Rasulullah, make dua, I am gifting the son of mine something, or I have gifted him something. So the Prophet ﷺ asked him, do you have other children as well besides him? He says, yes, I have other children. Have you gifted them as well equally? No, I haven't done that. He says, do not make me a witness of your oppression, your injustice. So this is with regards to the fair treatment of one's children, gifting them equally. Obviously, different children have different needs. But here it's in context that he gifted one child but did not gift another child. Many of us also feel when it comes to the issue of inheritance, we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has stipulated the law of the law of succession and inheritance. That after we pass away, our net estate will be distributed between our daughters and our sons on a ratio of one to two. But when it comes to our lifetime, we do not have to distribute our in, uh, we do not have to gift our children accordingly in the same ratio, two is to one. We can give them all equally in our lifetime, whether they are our sons or our daughters. So that's one example. Then we look at injustice takes place, especially when a marriage goes into problems. And this is where we deal with a lot of this problem. That when a marriage uh, goes into any difficulty, or if there's a breakup of a marriage for whatever reason, then we see that we forget all sense of justice. Even if it means that our son or daughter is in the wrong, for sure, then we will become unjust in the situation. How often we see and we experience regularly that when it comes to the dissolution or the breakup of a marriage, then the property and the ownership of the wife is not returned to her. Her mahar is not given back to her. Her jewelry is not given back to her. All that is usurped by the husband or the husband's family. This is an injustice. The mahar belongs to a woman. The jewelry that was given belongs to a woman. Her property is her property. Islam has given her those rights. 
So we see very often when marriage flounders and comes into some difficulty, then a huge amount of injustice is perpetrated by either party only and solely on account of that person being related to oneself. So here also it's very important that we practice justice at all times. Then if we look, we take it to another example, the unequal treatment of wives in a polygynous relationship. Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it permissible. There's no excuse a person that has, has to give to take more than one wife or two or three or four wives. Islam has permitted it. Yes, it's another issue whether the wife feels disenfranchised, she feels let down. Well, that's another issue. Those are human emotions. But when a person is in a polygynous relationship, then a person has to practice justice between his wives. Yes, when it comes to love, then it's a human emotion. One cannot measure love. One may love one child more than another child, one grandchild more than one wife more than another wife. That's human nature. The Prophet ﷺ himself, it was quite evident his love for Sayyidina Aisha Siddiqa exceeded the love of all the other wives. Because he was a human being, he was a bashar. But when it comes to fair distribution of one's time, of wealth, then it has to be absolutely equal. Mawlana Ashraf Ali Tanvi rahmatullahi he had two wives, and one day he was gifted a suit of material, some fabric, obviously to make clothing, and he had that fabric cut exactly into half, and half sent to either wife. One day a, a fruit had come into him, was gifted to him, he cut that fruit exactly in half and sent it to either wife as well. This was the level of justice that he practiced to these wives. So how important it is that if we are in a polygynous relationship, then the, the aspect of justice is so important, fair treatment of our wives. So much so that the Prophet ﷺ said that that person who is unjust to his wives in equal treatment, then on the day of Qiyamah he will be paralyzed on account of his injustice. So this is another example. Then we take this example to another level. When it comes to the dissolution of a partnership or the breakup of a partnership, how often when the partners want to decide on the distribution or on the transfer of assets, etc., then the goalposts are shifted all the time to suit one. So this is injustice as well. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. What's good for us is good for the next person. What's good for one partner is good for the next partner as well. So let us bring about justice in every aspect of our lives. Time is up, inshallah, we'll continue. And one aspect of justice also is that when the time is up, the Mulisad is to stop the bayan as well. People have commitments as well.